San Diego 101. It separates the Hispanic neighborhoods south of 94 from the old District 4 and all their similar activities and their similar... It's parties. essential that you keep us together. Keep communities of interest together. We want opportunities for commercial, retail, and employment opportunities. They wanted to develop social services. We want to make sure we have adequate parking for our development. They don't care so much about parking because they've got buses. There is a huge divergence. When you include Eastern Area with City Heights, you are including two areas that are substantially different in socioeconomic interests and that should be avoided. To bring my community and its neighborhoods back together. The political empowerment of the API community remains incomplete. Uh, we do have differences. We all want the same things. Peace, security, and prosperity. A small touch of heaven. I'm Ayushri Krishnan. And I'm Adriana Hildes. From Voice of San Diego, this is San Diego 101, redrawing our political maps. Redistricting lays the rules of the field. Redistricting tells you where the goalpost is, how big the field is, who the referee is going to be, how the game is going to be played. The redistricting process. Power, power and equity. Redistricting. As we're recording this podcast, there are meetings happening all around San Diego and the U.S., where people are deciding what is most important to them and their neighborhoods and families. They're redrawing the political maps that determine so many things, like city council districts, school boards, Congress, who will be voting with, and who gets resources. This is the redistricting process. Now, in 2021, the stage is being set to determine all these things for the next 10 years and I'm going to tell you how this is going to go. The steps involved in redistricting, how it works, who is drawing these maps, and how ordinary people get sucked into the process to wield this map-based power that shapes politics and society. But to do that, we need to go back to 2011. After the break, we go back in time. Join culture creator Remel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. So 10 years ago, think back. What was going on? I was about to graduate high school. <laughs> so I was very, very moody teenager. Oh, I was in the Peace Corps. I was living in like a very small village in Panama teaching English. And Obama was in his first term as president. The top songs were Someone Like You and Party Rock Anthem. Classics. <laughs> Game of Thrones just started. The real world had its 26th season in San Diego that year. Yeah, not the best year for, the, for that show. <laughs> 
And also here in San Diego, Emily Serafie Cox was trying to redraw San Diego's political landscape. At that time, I was the executive director of an organization called Empower San Diego, facilitate community involvement in the local redistricting process and encourage collaboration between uh, between organizations and people to make sure that um, marginalized voters throughout uh, San Diego, the city and San Diego County were able to have a voice in how the district boundaries would be drawn so as to uh, increase their power uh, in voting. Because uh, if folks have been historically marginalized, then voting and voter power is even more important. So her whole deal was to try to get people who usually don't get involved in redistricting and whose voices have been historically repressed to talk about what they want for redistricting and voting? Right. She's ping-ponging around the city, trying to put together meetings of normal people, a lot of them who have been marginalized for a long time, to tell them why redistricting is important and get their input about what they want for their district. It can be really hard to to show people how redistricting is uh, is important for them, or even if they know that it's important, to show them they don't need some fancy degree in demographics. They don't need a political science degree. They don't need any of that. I don't have any of that. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in dance. And <laughs> um, so I, I found my way into redistricting by voting and by moving from one part of town to the next and realizing, oh, now I'm represented by somebody else. Okay, and when I vote for this person, do I feel good about that or do I feel frustrated by that? And uh, if I feel frustrated, then perhaps the reason I feel frustrated in voting is because my community, people who vote like me, uh, are not as powerful in my particular district as they should be. So she's trying to figure out what their frustrations are, if they feel good about who represents them, and how they feel when they're voting. Ultimately, to get people to say what they want their city council district to be, like where it is, where are the boundaries, and who is in those boundaries with them. And real quick, the city council is the main group of elected people who represent the city of San Diego. Other cities have this too. They represent you. They're the people who live in your area, and they're the ones who bring ideas and issues to the government to make it work for you and your community. Right. Emily describes it like the city of San Diego is a pie. Each voter uh, belongs in one of those pieces of the pie. And the idea is that the ideal idea is that each of those pieces are equal uh, and that each voter's power is equal. Um, and the way that we do that is by using census data. And the um, census so data, which is collected and distributed by the federal government every 10 years, says how many people you're dealing with, how many people need to be represented, and who they are. That's why this process happens every 10 years, too. It comes along after the census when all this new information goes out. Information about how many people live in the various different parts of the city to determine how big each piece of pie should be, what geographies, what parts of the city should be included in each piece of pie. 
And if you think about it, um, different communities have different characteristics. Different parts of the city have different interests, different needs. And so the idea of redistricting is to make sure that as we are dividing this pie up, we are doing it in a way that empowers each voter equally. That's the idea, at least. And at this time, 2011... Emily is focusing on communities of interest. What is that? It's a redistricting term, a legal term mostly, but it's essentially a neighborhood or a collection of neighborhoods that's special because of its character. Like Hillcrest is the center of the LGBTQ community, and the areas around Mira Mesa have a large Asian American and Pacific Islander community. So sometimes it's kind of hard to define, sometimes it's just geographic, but you may know some and you can sort of feel out what they are. Hmm. Like Barrio Logan is a historically, you know, Latino community, correct? Yeah, and people in Barrio Logan might even extend that community to places like Sherman Heights that also have historically Latino communities. Right. Also, for example, coastal communities, people who live on the beach, they might have things in common um, and issues in common that they want to deal with, like tourism or vacation rentals. So a lot of this is about feeling and taking a lot of people's feelings into consideration. And in the redistricting process, Process, there are a lot of feelings. Completion of South Chris Trails, our dream of restoring Shelltown will be complete. I urge you, the Commission, to let us reunite South Crest with Shelltown in District 9. After decades of disenfranchisement, you today have the opportunity to begin to make Shelltown whole. And it's really just about. What do you consider your community? And increasingly, uh, that can be difficult because as we form community in different ways, in ways on computers, in uh, through shared interests as opposed to shared geography, um, the geography of voting becomes uh, more complex and uh, and redistricting itself becomes more complex because I might have more in common with somebody who lives in, I don't know, Escondido than I do my neighbor next door. What does this group want, this coalition that Emily's putting together? Well, at this time in 2011, there are eight city council districts for San Diego, but the new census data says the pie is bigger now, so there's room for another slice, District 9. And it's up to the redistricting commission and the redistricting process to figure out where it goes and who goes in it, which of course affects all the other districts. Effectively, no one in San Diego is untouched by this change. It would be one of the biggest political shifts for the city in a long time. And it's a culmination of changes that have been happening for years as San Diego got bigger and more diverse. But now, people like Emily have the hard job of figuring out what this district should look like from the residents' perspective and who the new district should include. And she has to take all those ideas and opinions and argue them to the redistricting commission in a way that could actually make a difference and reflect what the people want. Okay, so Emily's job is to try to get people involved in the redistricting process. But who's in charge of drawing those lines? The redistricting commission. Who's part of that commission? 
A panel of judges chooses one commissioner to represent each district from a pool of applicants. These nine people make up the redistricting commission. It's a long, intense volunteer gig. Each commissioner represents a city council district, and in general, the makeup of the commission is supposed to reflect the community to be just as diverse as San Diego itself. Commissioners also have to limit their political involvement before and after the process. This is to ensure they aren't drawing maps to get themselves into office. Not all cities have independent commissions like San Diego. In some cities, the city council or other elected bodies handle the political map drawing, but that's another story. You know, there have been demographic shifts in what is the uh, historically African-American neighborhoods uh, in southeast San Diego. And um, there are are communities that I think were nervous that they would be pushed out uh, of their communities or pushed out of political power by the redistricting process. Because we were adding a ninth piece of the pie, each piece of the pie needed to get smaller. And so actually, in effect, what that did was um, was increase the political power of the historically um, African-American uh, community in District 4. So that, uh, that fact enabled the coalition to really start from a place of, of shared vision, like we didn't have to have that big fight that some folks were nervous about. Um, Not to say that we didn't have others. (laughs) There were definitely other conflicts. One of the things that um, I think people were nervous about 10 years ago going into redistricting um, was that there would be some sort of for lack of a better term, uh, a conflict between the kind of black and brown communities in uh, in San Diego. District 9 was not adjusted for areas of common interest, but for racial and ethnic reasons predominantly. That is not legal to predominantly use race and ethnicity as a reason to draw maps. Go back. You know, I'll share my experiences from 2010 or 2011. Mm-hmm. But you guys, I'm telling you, it was sad. It was really, really sad when these young white moms from Rolando Park were afraid that their insurance rates were going to go up. They were going to have to change school districts. There there were going to be a bunch of black people going into our schools and on our streets. I mean, you and they were crying about it. They were convinced. So we're planning on going around and visiting all those town councils. And I want to hear if any of what they were afraid of 10 years ago happened. Did you all of a sudden have more rapes? Did you all of a sudden have more murder? Because that's what they were afraid of. Who's this? This is Barry Pollard. At the same time Emily is doing her thing, Barry is doing a lot of redistricting work too. But while Emily is trying to bring together a bunch of different groups with different priorities to agree on a map, Barry is advocating for one community, his own community. So, you know, the manner in which you've drawn District 4 is, the, is in the best interest of our community. This is him in 2011, speaking at a redistricting commission meeting. And it increases the African-American empowerment in our district. District 4 is a very good district with passion, room for growth, and it has a very, very bright future. I'm proud to live in our district. Change is very, very hard to take. 
and to accept. Mountain View residents and Mount Hope residents are going to have issues about the movement. And they understand. I've spoken to a number of folks in those areas. They don't like so it. So it's really a, supposed to be a very collaborative process. Um, and as you would imagine, you know, there's, there's different factions in different communities. And so that's where the work comes in, is getting people to negotiate um, boundaries. Barry is in District 4, and that's who he represents. So like Lincoln Park, Alta Vista, uh, Paradise Hills, kind of near National City, right? Right. And a big part of these collaborations and what ends up being heated discussions, Barry says, has to do with communities of interest and their treasures. Treasures. So like we have treasures and a lot of it's an emotional tie, right? I mean, we've got churches that are in our community that we we think it would be a disaster because it negatively affects the culture, right? If we can't include some of our black churches in, in District 4, right? Um, Lincoln High School. Right, that's a treasure. Choyas Creek and Choyas Lakes; those are treasures. But it's it's mostly, um, and this is where the redistricting is is the portion that I like. It's got to be resident driven, right? I mean, it's got to have people and families that actually use, in this case, Choyas Lake, parks, places of worship, community centers, things like that. Right. So going back to Barrio Logan, uh, Chicano Park is like a major treasure and an important place for that community, correct? Yes. And then in District uh, 4, which is the southeast area, uh, the YMCA um, is also a big, plays a big part in the community. Yes. Okay. So now they're thinking, okay, this is going to make my community a little less something, a little less convenient, a little less pretty, a little less effective. You know what I mean? And so um, uh, that's when the residents all get together, right, and start discussing those kind of things. What we do is I ask our residents, what do you want our community to look like five or ten years from now? And they um, begin to tell me in no uncertain terms what they want, right? And that's what we want. We want to hear from them. And what do they want? Well, it's complicated. It's a lot of people. So they want a lot of things from this whole process. And that culminates in the new map you get at the end. And Barry says with redistricting, you really can't please everyone. We are a strong, largely Afro-American community that votes regularly. We own our own homes and we pay our taxes. We attend church in the 4th District. We do our shopping within the 4th District. And our kids go to school within the 4th District. We are a community of interest in the 4th and want to remain so. Our history is in the 4th and our passion are in the 4th. Our work is not done in the 4th. Ten years ago? The amount of disinformation was sad. Um, and again, I'll get specific. I'm a candid guy, you know. And, and so it, this was um, enlarging D4, um, City Council District 4. And we were working with um, Rolando, uh, Rolando Village, I think it is, Redwood Village, Rolando Park. Yes, both of those entities. Both of those entities are 
primarily white. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we were moving our our boundaries to include them, there was a lot of internal meetings going on in those communities that were feeding a lot of disinformation. Um, I could remember specifically having a pretty large event at the Croc Center on University Avenue. And I would literally have these young white moms speaking in the microphone in tears because they thought their insurance rates were going to go up, because they were afraid for their children. They thought the crime rate was going to go up. And this was all based upon disinformation. So sometimes people are very informed and prepared or... Like Barry said, they're not informed and they're just worried about what could happen. Something that lasts for 10 years is a big deal. So what do they say they're worried about? People say they want to park in their district versus the district right next to them. Or they don't want a black neighborhood in their district or a neighborhood that's poorer. Or they want to increase the voting power of a particular group like Asian and Pacific Islanders, Latinos, or African Americans. So they'll say version A of this new map puts my community together, and I like that. But version B of the map breaks us apart, and I don't like that. Or they want to be a part of a certain district because that's just where they hang out and do their business. It's all over the place. Communities to the east of us. Um, I wish that that was true because my favorite bar is down there, but it's a pain to get to. Um, I like Mission Gorge, but... I won't go near it if there is, say something. So people like Emily and Barry, they get input from all these neighborhoods and regular people. They figure out what they want their districts to be since this is one of the only times they get to have any input. And they present those desires to this redistricting commission at one of these stuffy meetings. Right. Then what? Then it's a pretty painstaking process. They make a new map with the brand new nine districts, and then another, and then another, to see if it works. And after each map, people give them feedback about what they like and what they don't like about it. Does each district have the right number of people? Does their reasoning follow the rules? Did a community member make an especially compelling argument for a community of interest? Are the districts weird looking or are they compact and connected? So it's tons of meetings, tons of hours over months to suss this out between the commission and the people. And Barry and Emily have to keep showing up. They have to keep talking about their communities and what's best. Will the new map serve District 4 and District 9? Wow, that's a lot. It really is. And it gets emotional. I remember that once we had a thriving residential neighborhood, then we didn't. Just like bulldozers came in and took more than 66 acres or 280 homes, it was traumatizing and depressing. We were left with empty acreage and a state that could care less about the maintenance of the land. I remember. And the dreams I still have about this. It brings tears to my eyes. The way the neighborhood used to look like and the friends I lost. But Barry says, ultimately, this whole process comes down to just a few things. Voting, representation, and community treasures. And the biggest thing is the city council representative. The bottom line is the most tangible change that one would see in a redistricting is who is your city council person. Period. 
I mean, that is the most noticeable difference you're going to get. Um, so when it comes to the outcome in 2011 um, for District 4, would you say that the people you were working with, the community of interest that you were representing and advocating on behalf of, um, were they satisfied with the outcome? Except for the people in Rolando Village and Redwood. <laughs> yes, Rolando Park and Redwood Village. Let me put it this way. They, they must have been because they certainly came looking for me when it was comes time to let's do it again. Yeah. Barry thinks that for him and for the community that he was representing, that they mostly got what they wanted. What about Emily? Yeah, she thinks it worked out for the best. San Diego's representation changed more at that time than she thinks it will in the next 40 or 50 years. And her goal was to try to get people who historically didn't vote or didn't have much voting power to be represented by their government in a way they hadn't before. The goal of, uh, of our redistricting work was to ensure that marginalized communities, communities who were historically excluded from political power, were strengthened through the redistricting process, had more political power because of changes that we might make in the redistricting process. The, the map changed more in 2011 than it probably will for the next 40 or 50 years. Who knows? You know, whenever the next time we add another council district is, that map changed more. So it was a big opportunity to increase the political power of people who had historically been shut out of political power. She was happy with the map when it was all done, but she said the real win came years later, in 2016, when Georgette Gomez was elected to represent the seat. Before 2011, District 8 had been the one majority Latino district that regularly had Latino representation on the city council, but the city's Latino population had been growing a lot, and Emily's goal was to make District 9 a second Latino district with another Latino representative on city council, and Georgette represented that change. So District 8 which represents parts of Barrio Logan and San Isidro, it was the uh, predominant Latino um, district. But with District 9, there's another one. What makes up District 9? So District 9 um, is a mix of communities, and it doesn't have the same Latino population that District 8 does. But because it included communities like City Heights, Mount Hope, um, you, you know, these areas that did have really large Latino communities, uh, they made up enough to be able to elect someone who represented them. All of that. But when Georgette was elected, that was when I actually felt like, oh, wow, I I think that we did achieve something here. And I'm very proud to say that we changed conversation in San Diego, and it's not going to be the same ever again. So thank you so much for believing. Thank you so much for believing that District 9 matters, a community, a district that historically has been neglected for far too long. And tonight we're saying no longer is that going to happen. So thank you so much, and we look forward to continuing to work. So that was redistricting in 2011, but I need to tell you why redistricting matters now and what you can do about it. So after the break, we're going back to the future.
Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. All right, we're back to now in 2021 and redistricting is upon us. Yeah, so I have some questions about that. First one, I know the census got a bit complicated last year with the pandemic. Has that changed things for redistricting this year? Yeah, um, it's really changed the timeline for the redistricting process. So because of the pandemic and because of some things that happened with the Trump administration, that we didn't actually get census data that we could use for redistricting until August and September of this year. In 2011, most of the map drafts were done by that time. Got it. So there was a lot of weirdness with the census last year. So how does that affect everything now? Well, the state has pushed its deadlines for finalized maps to December 15th. And that deadline can't really be pushed out any further because of the June 2022 primaries. People need to know where they can even run if they are thinking about running for city council. So for the 2021 redistricting process, what are the communities of interest now and the biggest debates going on? Oh, there are so many. Um, <laughs> one of the big communities of interest is the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. Um, they have an empowerment district that was formed in 2011, um, which is District 6. And they are hoping to, um, you know, continue to increase their voting power within that district. Um, you know, the Latino community also com- continues to be a community of interest that's been growing a lot in the city. Uh, Coastal communities also continue to be a community of interest. They want to maximize their power on city council as well. And then there are even some smaller communities. So for example, the community of Rancho Penasquitos was split in 2011. And this year they're advocating that they all be in one city council district instead of split between two. Wow, that's a lot of important things to consider. Um, If people want to get involved, what should they do? Well, they should start tuning into meetings um, on the city's redistricting commission website. They have draft map proposals, um, old meeting videos that you can get caught up on. There's also a lot of community organizations who are still trying to get people's input for what they want, um, and they should try and tap into some of those. Got it. So what exactly should people Google? Um, Try San Diego City Redistricting Commission. That should take you where you need to go. Okay. Ultimately, redistricting is about political power. It determines who you're voting with. Are you voting with people who have the same values and priorities as you? Or are you voting in the same city council district as a bunch of communities that are going to be voting differently than you and diluting your vote? Redistricting defines just how powerful your vote is, and it sets that in place for the next 10 years.
San Diego 101 credits. San Diego 101 is a product of Voice of San Diego. Hosted and produced by Maya Shikrishnan and Adriana Heldes. Produced, edited, and mixed by me, Nate John. Additional support from Megan Wood. Learn more about San Diego and how it works at sd101.org. That's sd101.org. San Diego 101 is made possible with support from the Langler Benbow Foundation, the Parker Foundation, and the Seuss Foundation. Additional support from Gulper, Sullivan, Rivera, and Osuna, and Bloodhurst and O'Reardon, LLC, and the members of Voice of San Diego. Support SD101 and become a member now at vosd.org member. San Diego 101 and transmission. Goodbye.